Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Jesse Dittmar. Jesse is a commercial and editorial photographer based in New York City who has worked with clients such as The Washington Post, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and Apple, to name a few. Much of Jesse's work is centered around celebrity portraiture, where he has photographed people such as Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Patti Smith, and David Letterman, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Jesse about how he made the transition from photo assistant to full-time photographer, and also how he approaches each portrait session. I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. Jesse Dittmar, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. I'm uh, excited to talk to you with all the cool portraits you're doing. Um, first kind of saw your work on Instagram, and now you show me your book, and um, definitely excited to get into all the cool stuff you're doing. Still shooting the good old Hasselblad. There you go. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. But I guess just kind of start off, I was kind of curious uh, what you've been working on lately. What was kind of like the last thing you've uh, been working on? Oh, geez. I just photographed... Uh I just photographed Ronan Farrow, Megan Tooney, uh, and Jody Cantor, the uh, the three people that broke the Harvey Weinstein story. Wow. That just happened. That was amazing. I just photographed the March for Our Lives kids, the Parkland kids. Damn. Uh, that was Couple really of special for me. Pretty intense uh, subjects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, really important subjects and subjects that I, I've been following both those stories really intently. You know, I went down to the march in D.C., uh, you know, and then a couple months later I get asked to photograph these kids that I was so inspired by down there. It's just like the exact reason why I'm a photographer is, uh, you know, getting a chance to meet these people that are really making like huge changes in our, in our cultural environment. These to these specifically these two last subjects, just like really exciting for me. And, and then you get to meet them and you get to walk away with uh, a sense of uh, what, what these people are all about that are making such huge changes. Yeah. Uh, really exciting. So that was the most recent. Yeah. So when you're shooting, like, uh, it's obviously like a real touchy um, story. It's really intense. Um, do you kind of approach it? Is, is the shoot environment, do you kind of keep it pretty casual? Or since it is such a ten, tense subject, um, how do you, what's your kind of... Usually we're not, I'm not talking about, you yeah. know, the, you know, the reason why we're there. You know, my approach is to just treat people like people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, meeting, you know, meeting Megan, Jody, Ronan, like, you know, there's all kinds of other stuff to talk about, you know, like yeah. parented and, you know, the fact they all live in Brooklyn yeah. and, uh, you know, that we both work for the New York Times sometimes or they, they do all the time. And, uh, you know, so I'm not... Unless I want to get that mood, you know, unless I want to dive into the super serious and get that kind of yeah. environment. But, you know, I'm just trying to keep it, um, you know, I'm just trying to get to know them as a person. And, and sometimes, you know, often people are, are not only defined by this one thing that everyone knows them by. And yeah. uh, talking with them about their story, it's like everyone talks to them about their story and uh and so therefore you get a lot of the same responses the same expressions and i I want something different and i want to get get kind of to where they are at personally and kind of in a natural authentic sound so um not always diving into the super uh the super deep stuff 
uh, if it's going to take us down a rabbit hole, that's kind of uh, hard to get out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. No, that makes sense. I was always just curious because that is like, uh, it's, it's tense, man. Yeah, I mean, I photograph some, I photograph some intense people. You know, I've, I've done some ads for, uh, for New York Presbyterian Hospital. We're photographing survivors of like, you know, near-death experiences. And um, I photographed, I photographed the, the, uh, the mother of, uh, one of, the, of one of the kids who was the Columbine shooter. And that was like Holy definitely shit. one of the most intense uh, photo shoots I've ever done, you know. And it's just, you know, some people have gone through some really heavy stuff. And, uh, and you know, like you just walk in and I think and if you're empathetic and you treat people like people and, you, and you know, like that's on their brain no matter what they're doing. And, and we're, we're there to make a good portrait. And I don't think that you have to go down that road necessarily to get that portrait. Mm. Um, you know, some, it just depends. I, I kind of like let the room and the mood and the conversation take itself there. You know, sometimes I, I pick and choose my spots. I, I won't go there on purpose. I won't not go there on purpose either. Mm. No, that's smart. And, uh, yeah, I guess just kind of go back a little bit, like, um, where did you grow up and like, what are kind of like some of your earliest memories of photography? Yeah. So I grew up, uh, I grew up in Connecticut about an hour out of the city, uh, in, uh, Fairfield County and, you know, always coming into the city. I was kind of like, had, I had a great mix of, you know, being able to be like a, a kid in the woods, hanging out, uh, doing kids stuff and then being able to come into the city and like get my culture, uh, in bits and pieces, um, and I just, my earliest mem- my most, my strongest memories of early photography is, uh, this is going to date me because Barnes and Nobles was a thing back then, but like just sitting, sitting on the floor of the Westport Barnes and Noble photo section, that gross carpet and just like spilling all the photo books off the shelves and like <laughs> getting into Nigel Perry and, and, and Avedon. And I, I remember Nigel Perry was really specifically, uh, really striking to me back then, um, but just kind of spilling into all those books and just, I was just like, I was just amazed, you know, just saying how I was, the how was a big question. Like, like how is this photographer hanging out with Robert De Niro for, for, to get this amazing picture and, and why, you know, Mm -hmm. cause I wasn't a huge consumer at that age of high fashion magazines or, you know, or culture in general. And I just, but I knew who these people were and I knew, that these pictures were amazing and i just said this this seems like a fantastic job (laughs) so how does it happen (laughs) and and ever since then i've just been gunning for for to figure that out Mm. and uh and figure out if that's the right thing for me to do and and now we're here that's cool like um so when you kind of started like taking pictures yourself like were you kind of in high school or how old were you when you yeah yeah i started to get pretty serious when i was probably a freshman in high school and um i was i was a big fish in a small pond you know my photo teacher took a real liking to me which is which is super important to have a mentor like that. And, and by the time I was a sophomore, I was building a dark room in my own basement. And by the time I was a junior, I was buying the same Hasselblad camera that my photo teacher had (laughs) and like spending all my money on all this photo equipment and like doing all, you know, like taking, you know, two photo classes when there's only really one offered and, uh, and print coming home and printing at home and, um, just kind of really getting into it. You know, it had such magic to me back then, especially in the dark room and, uh, and film in the beginning, you know, you and I both came up during a similar time where that transition to digital was just happening while, while we were coming of age. So, um, I really learned on film and, 
you know, there's just nothing like seeing, seeing that image come up from a blank piece of paper and you're in this smelly, gross, dank, <laughs> dark room by yourself. And you're just like, it's very meditative, you know, like you didn't have, you know, you might be able to listen to something, but, uh, you know, you're just, you can't, have, there was no phone to ruin the paper, you know, yeah. it just was a really solitary and reflective place for me that like, that magic happened and uh, I was just so into it. Um, and you know, I just, by the time I was done with high school, I, I, I wanted to see if this was something that could continue. Mm. Yeah, definitely film, man. Simpler, simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or, or maybe not. More and more complicated. Yeah, yeah, think exactly. about it. yeah either, either way. Uh, um, so like, I guess once you got out of high school, did you end up going to study photography or what? Yeah, I went to, I went to NYU. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I applied. I applied early to NYU. I didn't tell my parents that I didn't apply anywhere else, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, uh, I was lucky because the uh, the day uh, the day before I was supposed to get my answer from NYU was the deadline oh, to shit. to apply to Syracuse or wherever Whatever. else I was thinking about as my backup, <laughs> and I just told them I applied and I didn't. Yeah. So I got I got pretty lucky. I was a little. Uh, I was a little cocky, uh, assuming I'd get in, and and luckily I did. I uh, got in a tish, um, and it was it was amazing to come to New York. I mean, I wanted to go to New York, mm. and I felt like NYU was the place to go mm. for me. But but it was the city that really felt like the place to be. It felt like where I was going to learn the most um, about life as well as photography. Yeah. Um, and I and I was in NYU at Tisch, and I switched. Actually, I switched schools into the Gallatin School of Individualized Study. Oh, it's like another school. It's within. A, yeah, it's another school within the university. I felt art school really wasn't for me. You know, I I know a lot of people have a similar feeling. Um, it just felt like there was more to be gained from that university. Uh, NYU is such a huge monstrosity yeah. uh, that I, I, I wanted to get the most out of it. And Gallatin offered me the opportunity to do so. So what's Gallatin? That's like, uh, it's a small individualized study school. So basically their, their, their vibe is, you know, study whatever you want within these rules. So, you know, for me specifically, I wanted to study photography. I wanted to study literature and photography and, and literature on photography. Uh, I wanted to learn as much as I could about photography. I also wanted to just be a smarter person. You know, I was I was a pretty poor writer, pretty, pretty you know, not the best uh, reader. And I was pretty good with math and science. You know, I was nerdy into photography. So those things were pretty solid. But I just wanted to be a smarter person. And, and so what Gallatin did is they said, oh, hey, you want to study photography? Great. Go read these 50 books, uh, 10 of which are about photography, 10 need to be about uh, philosophy and, and psychology and art history, and some of them might not even be about photography. And then by the end of your tenure here, you're going to come back to us with basically like a mini doctorate. You know, it's kind of like a mini PhD-ish yep. kind of uh, uh a mold where they, where you get uh, approved by a panel at the end saying like, Hey, you, you're, you did enough work to pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it was great. I, I, I left going, I know a lot more than when I came in and, and that was what college was valuable to me for. That's pretty interesting. So you're like, you're independent. You're not like, there's not like a class of like other photographers or anything. No. You're just by, uh, that's interesting. You're doing your own thing. I mean, there's classes that you're in with other people, but they're on, you know, uh, specific subjects that you that you can then 
turn towards your own discipline. Okay. Uh, and they really want you to be thinking like they want you to be thinking a certain way about whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, and it really worked for me because I had already gotten some roots in the photography program. So they also want you to go take courses in every single school that NYU has. Oh, wow. And so I was able to go back to the, to the practical courses at NYU and still use the darkroom, still use the studio, still use the lighting equipment, still get advice from my photography teachers. Yeah. I remember I signed on one of my photography teachers to be, to continue to be my, um, what's it called? My count, not my counselor or my counselor, whatever my advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he continued to be my advisor, even though he wasn't in Gallatin. Uh, so I really was lucky to kind of like fall into the foundation of the photo program and be able to still use their resources, but then expand my curriculum and kind of just learn more about everything. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's pretty. That's actually pretty smart because, like, if you think about like being a freelance photographer for the most part it's just you especially when you start out you don't have a staff it's just you so you kind of have to make things happen oh yeah the fact that you're kind of in school you almost kind of like train yourself just to kind of do that already because yeah man it's all you i mean it's all any any, anybody you ask that's gotten to any any point of success in photography they all start it's just you it's really solitary i mean i always say like i used to be in bands i was a drummer and i i said it, it uh it perfectly set me up to become a photographer because i worked so hard in bands but i was dragging these three bums behind me trying to make them work as hard as i was yeah and then i decided oh what if i cut bait and i can just be i can still be creative and be a photographer i don't have to drag anyone around along with me and uh and it's true you have to be motivated and you have to be interdisciplinary yeah uh, in order to do this so you know it's not it's not a one one track mind that gets gets to become successful here yeah definitely not you got to have the hustle and you got to want to do it um and i guess like what kind of stuff were you photographing early on even like in college what kind was it always portraiture for you or what kind of stuff were you shooting back then i mean like anybody you know you're trying to find your footing in the beginning i mean i definitely photographed my share of fair fair share of bands to start out and um but i was always you know i was i was big in the music scene my dad's in the music industry and um i was always photographing bands um but i also i remember early on my photo teacher dismissing uh rock photography a little bit um and i and and i think that really helped me because uh it's true that it's not what i wanted to do um it's just what was convenient for me uh and i was always drawn to people you know i was always drawn to just getting really close into people's faces with uh with my camera and and no matter what other projects I did I kind of always kept coming back to people and um I just loved interacting with people and so I was trying to find my footing on whether I was shooting you know like everybody I was trying street stuff and fashion yeah. and this and then traveling and doing all this stuff um mm-hmm. but it it always landed on portrait. like portrait for me and and getting to meet people and photographing them was definitely what I was always I've just always been interested in it yeah definitely yeah I kind of went through the same thing it just takes time to figure out like what you're interested in then you kind of figure out what you're good at yeah like i realized when i first got out of college i worked at hasbro the toy company <laughs> doing still life photography because i was like i just need a job and it, sure. it, it was a good experience you know um but i realized i was like 
for one, I hate still life photography. Yeah. And two, I don't want to sit in a studio all day. So I was yeah. like, but yeah, you live and you learn and you kind well, of figure it out. Oh, you just also, I mean, I, I go photograph anything, you know, and it's because it helped my experiences photographing still lifes, my experiences photographing buildings, my experiences being in different circumstances for different types of photography constantly inform mm. my work today because I'm putting all kinds of different scenarios mm-hmm. that I get to pull on. It's the same thing when I was an assistant, like working, I mean, I, I use tips that I learned from architectural photographers that I never would have learned from a portrait shooter. Mm. Uh, so, you know, even, even though I take, you know, even though I'm my profession and my love is in portraiture, I think that having, you know, I got assigned to photograph the Highline in New York City by the Washington Post a couple of months ago, and and they just said, hey, go to the Highline and take pictures, and I was, I was just like, oh fuck yeah, like I, <laughs> I get to I get to go do something that's like totally different and, yeah, and get yeah. to you know flex a muscle that I don't usually use. I was really excited about that, you know, because then it, it informs and helps your other work, and it's like a challenge for you. It's totally, like something you're not totally doing, so it's like how totally. am I, how am I going to do well at this? Because yeah, it's interesting. Absolutely, yeah, those ones are fun. Um, I guess what was kind of your step like once you got out of NYU um what was kind of your next step did you kind of already know your goal was like to become like editorial commercial type photographer or what was kind of where were you at then I in college I I started to really focus in on who I loved as uh in in the photography industry and what kind of people's work I loved and I, I ended up answering that with Martin Scholler uh, Annie Leibovitz you know these people that are alive now but also Penn and Avedon and and so I remember just in the middle of college going like what can I do to work for Martin Scholler I just was like that guy does what I want to do so let me go work for him and um and in the end I ended up getting an internship with uh this photographer Ben Baker who used to work with Martin as well uh and and so I had interned with Ben full-time in college and uh, as soon as, uh, pretty much right after I got out of college, I went back to work for Ben, okay. uh, and it was just really such a valuable experience working for someone who does what you want to go do and just, just learning the lifestyle. And uh, I was just a really heavy, f- solid photo assistant for, you know, my years after college and working my way up, uh, working full-time with Ben, getting all these amazing experiences, going to the White House a bunch of times, meeting all these amazing people sleeping in weird places and going <laughs> to weird places and setting up lights in weird places. And <laughs> I remember I met uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, Ahmadinejad on the same day, you know, yeah. and, uh, and then eventually working for Martin okay. and eventually working for Annie. Oh, wow. And just just working my way up this ladder of people that I, that I just had always wanted to know the how, you know, like how they get it done and what is their life like? Um, and that was like my post, uh, postgraduate time. Uh, yeah, that's some serious heavy hitters, man. Ben totally. Baker. I'm definitely going to, I'm going to reach. I haven't got reached out to him. Ben's yet, great. He's amazing. Is it true? He wears a suit to every shoot. I that, is- that is a, that is a, uh, that is a funny, um, <laughs> that is a funny over exaggeration. Okay. Uh, but he, but he, he did teach me that if you dress, uh, if you dress to the level of your subjects, mm-hmm. you're going to get more respect and you're going to get more time. And so, okay. so I, uh, have a Ben Baker like rule that, you know, if I think my person's walking in with a suit, I'm going to also walk in with a suit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it works, man. You get more time. Yeah. And time is everything for yeah. me. You oh, know, yeah. the more time I get, the better pictures I get. And so if, uh, if I'm wearing a suit and that's going to get me an extra two, three, four, five minutes, 
I'll wear a suit. Hell yeah. Fine, it's fun anyways for me. But yeah, he got a little reputation for that. Yeah, um, I re- yeah. I think I read some article about that. I don't know why that came up, but I was always curious. It's like that true? It seems like it'd be uncomfortable all the time. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, res- I respect it though, man. Yeah. I definitely respect it. It, well, it well, he definitely doesn't wear a suit to every shoot, but okay. you can talk to him about that. But you know, he he. It was definitely, uh, I remember, because I used to be his first assistant, so I was running the show for, you know, when you're a first assistant, you're you're a VP of, uh, the VP of uh, assisting right Hell there, yeah. you know, like, you're in charge of the other assistants, you got to make sure everybody's on point, and, like, I'd be on the phone uh, being like, hey, man, to the assistants, like, you got a suit? You wearing a suit tomorrow? Yeah. Like, and they're like, yeah, 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 and I'm like, you wearing shoes? Like, yeah. no sneakers, you know, because yeah. someone would show up with, in a suit, but t- tennis shoes, yeah. and Ben would be like, why is that guy wearing tennis shoes? It's like, man, and, you, yeah, uh, it's like, yeah, you gotta... You gotta be on it, and he was serious about it, but you know what? It, it totally worked, and it's just one of the, like, many, many lessons that I learned from Ben yeah. uh, on what to do well in order to get more time. Um and and same same with everyone has their ways you know ben has his ways martin has his ways annie has her ways and uh seeing someone who's really good at that is nothing but helpful for when you need to figure out your ways in order to get somebody to give you more time yeah how long did you end up assisting for like once you got out of school how long were you working as an i was an assistant for a solid five years okay that's that's good so i i started winding down around 26 yeah that's that's some heavy hitters man like working for someone like annie leibowitz like how is it working with her like because every it seems like everything she does is like this giant production yeah she gets a bad rap you know from her decades and decades of experience um you know i think she may have been a different person like all of us uh in her in her 30s than she is in her 60s yeah um for me it was it was just the chance of a lifetime you know like uh the great thing about working for annie is that uh you know you Everyone there is the best at what they do. Yeah. And so by the time I worked for Annie, I was, I had been assisting for four and a half years. I was the best photo assistant I was ever going to be. I was probably one of the best photo assistants in New York at that time. Um, And I was the fourth assistant out of six. And I was getting asked to drive a truck and put up C-stands, things that I had done thousands of times before. And I freaking loved it yeah because you're part of the team well not only i'm part of the team but i can put i could put up a c-stand with both my hands tied behind my back and blindfolded at that point and so what was perfect for me as a person that was getting ready to go on my own and do my own thing was to say hey i'm gonna kill setting up this c-stand and look like i'm putting my 100 percent focus on it i'm actually putting five percent of my focus on it and i'm using the other 95 percent of my focus to figure out what the hell is going on here yeah. and what is annie doing and who are all these people and what are they doing and how can i use this mm. and apply it to when i become a photographer and so i got so lucky that i got in with her got in with martin when i was already experienced because i was able to not be uh, overwhelmed by the size of her set yeah. and be able to really learn things that would matter to me as a photographer and not as an assistant at that point. Yeah. Cause what do you think? Like, what do you think you learn most about being an assistant? Like obviously, like you said, everyone's different that you're working with, but like, I guess overall, like, do you feel like working as an assistant was like a useful experience for you? hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. It was the perfect path for me. Yeah. Uh, it allowed me to grow up. It allowed me to make mistakes when I was an assistant, not when I was a photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allowed me to understand, to, to see, especially doing it for a long time, allowed me to see what photographers did things well and got hired 
back and back and back and what photographers did things poorly and didn't get them hired back and uh it it also just gave me a really solid familiarity with the lifestyle and 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 how to how to behave and uh and how to solve how to how do people solve problems you know you know how you'll solve problems but how would someone else solve a problem and and is that better than the way you would have uh, i i constantly use every day things that i learned from assisting mm. photographers who are masters at what they do yeah uh and it's the one bummer about being being a photographer now is that it the, the learning is over you know there's no there's no calling martin up being like hey man you want to have me back as the first assistant you know nah, like you're like, co- your competition now I'm competition man. <laughs> now you know for real and uh and there's no more learning the tricks yeah um and so that's a bummer you know because sometimes you see somebody and you're like man i think i know how they did that Mm. but i wonder how they did that yeah, and yeah. uh and now i could probably just call and ask but <laughs> that's why I, that's uh, why i started this podcast man <laughs> how did you do it <laughs> exactly exactly but as there's nothing like being a part of it as an assistant and helping create that image and like especially when you become a good assistant you really feel like you have a solid solid hand in what's going on yeah you're an, um, you're an asset you're a big asset uh, and it was it was fun, dude. It was a really great experience for me. And I guess, like, you know, the one thing I think a lot of people struggle with, how did you kind of make the transition from going from an assistant to shooting? Was it, like, a gradual thing? Were you shooting and assisting at the same time, or did you just kind of make a clean break, or how was your kind it of... It was tra- cold turkey, man. Uh, it, it, it was a clean break. It was hard. It was so hard, but... I remember, you know, I was, I'd been thinking about it. I'd been thinking, the, the, the flaw in my assistant game was I always had one foot out the door, one toe out the door wanting to be a shooter. And, and you can smell that on, on people when they're assisting you, you know, and that was always a little bit of a problem for me. I was always looking for an opportunity to make the break. And, um, I was, I remember two things specifically. I was on some shoot and I had known the art buyer and she came up to me and I was the first assistant digital tech. And she was like, Oh, you were up for this shoot. And I went, I, and I smiled, and I said thanks, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool! Like, you know, thanks a lot." And I turned around, and I went, "God damn it! Like, why the hell am I here? Like, why am I here as this assistant when, when behind the scenes, someone had put me up for this job that now I'm not doing?" And and that was when I really decided, like, I'm 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 not going to be looking for new assistant work. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna keep doing the jobs I'm doing, but I'm not looking for anything new. And then uh, Ben Baker called me. Uh, after I had moved on from being his first assistant, uh, and he was like, Hey, we got, we got a job down in DC. It's, uh, it's the Obamas together, oh, Michelle shit. and Barack. And, uh, and he said, are you in? And I was like, absolutely. And in the back of my head, and I was saying, and this is the last one. Yeah, the last one. <laughs> like you can't, you can't turn out that. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, I would never, but I just felt, I just felt like yeah. this was the perfect shoot to go out on, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, have the opportunity to go in there, be the first assistant, run the show with Ben, uh, for this shoot with Michelle and Barack together, you know, like I, it just was an amazing opportunity. And, and we, Ben took such a great picture. We, we just crushed it. And, uh, you know, the next day the picture was like on the view when they were interviewing Michelle, like big on the entire, you know, the entire stage was lit up by this picture. And, uh, and it was just so cool. And I just said, that's, I just walked, I would just clap my hands kind of like internally said, 
that's it. We're all good. And and then people would call and they'd say, hey, you want to go do this job? And I'd be like, no, I'm shooting now. And they'd be like, oh, I respect that. I respect that. Yeah. And they'd call me back like 10 minutes later. They'd be like, how much money do you want? How much money do you want? And then you'd say... I'm um, I'm I'm done, you know, and it, those were hard uh, those were hard conversations, and it was it was two year it was two a year and a half two years of not working. Um, uh, oh yeah, and it was really really hard, and it was getting fired from bar jobs uh, because I wanted to be a photographer and I wanted to go shoot. It was it was having a girlfriend who's now my wife uh, being so incredibly supportive. Um, but close to that two year, close to that two year mark, you know, the ends were starting to fray and, and the financial reality is starting to hit and, uh, and finally got a break. And, uh, after that break, a year, you know, after two years of no shoots after that break, um, a year later I'd done 80 photo shoots in my first year and it was just, Damn. it was just over. It was just, I was just ready to be working. That's wild. Yeah. Cause it is like it's a hard thing to do to try to like do both at the same time because like that thing at least for me because i did a similar thing where i was assisting too and i kind of i made the conscious thing i was like yeah i'm gonna walk away and i ended up this you, you have to focus all your attention on this because it's oh, a, yeah it's a full-time business and you have to do you can't do both it's like it sucks you just can't do both you have to put all your attention to get it off the ground i see people try to do both and and the reality is in my opinion you're either a, you're either a shooter or your assistant yeah and uh and it's a it's a it's a mentality as much as it is a um a financial reality uh and and some people can get by, you know, listen, being an assistant for, for a lifetime is frankly a good job. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> like I made a ton of money. Yeah. I didn't spend much. Great experiences. I had, a, you know, the pressure was not on like it is as a photographer. Um, I got to travel the world and I could have made a good six figure living. Hell um, yeah. And so it's hard to walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why people have a hard time doing it. Uh, yeah. But for me, I was just not learning anymore. Um, you know, for me, assisting was about learning, not about money. And yep. same thing with photography. It's not about money. It's not about money. You know, it's about the opportunity to go meet these people. Yeah. Uh, so I think as long as you're not motivated by, as long as you have the luxury or, or you know, the privilege not be, uh, not be defined by having to put food on the table. Yeah. Um, you know, that was also part of being young. You know, if I needed to go eat ramen for a week, uh, yeah. my insides might have hurt a little bit, but <laughs> I was uh, I was okay with doing that in order to try to get where I'm at. Get that dollar slice, Jesse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but for that two years where you don't have much going on, like, what are you doing? Like, are you basically trying to get your work out there? Like, yeah. what were you doing during that two-year span before you started to... Probably 100 meetings. Okay. Prob- probably 100 meetings, trying to make shoots happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually saying I got to work at a bar at night. Um, just, just beg borrowing and stealing to try to get someone to hire me to take a picture and excuse me, not even hire it. Just ask me. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and I was traveling all around the country, you know, like I'd get a, I, I, you know, I'd be like, have to go to some wedding and then I'd stay in Portland for a week and go on meetings and, okay. and I'd have to go visit a family or something and I'd stay and go on meetings or, or, my, or my, my girlfriend and wife, we'd have to go to Paris for work and I'd go to Paris and go on meetings yeah. and, um, and just meeting, 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 meeting. And it's then, a sales job. You're selling. It's a total sales job. Uh, they don't teach you that. Yeah. And and you you know you have to be you have to be prepared to be lucky. Yeah. And 
and that's what I was. I was desperately trying to, trying to be lucky, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and eventually I was. Yeah, and a lot of times those meetings you go on, it's not like they're going to hire you next week. They might hire you in two or five years from the time you met with them. So it's like it's like a numbers game. You got to show your work. My first ad <laughs> gig was a four year lead time. Yeah, four year lead time meeting meeting uh, meeting the art buyer, at becoming sincere friends with her. Uh, four years later, I got the call for an Apple an Apple ad Damn. an Apple ad campaign. Yeah. and and I'm you know and and by then I'm like oh it's just icing on top of this cake of having a cool new friend you know who I really. Uh, value as a, as a person regardless of work so yeah. uh, it can be a really strong lead it can be a really long lead time but it also can be really quick oh yeah definitely. you know with my first break with the Washington Post photographing Adina Menzel I got I went into that meeting like a lot of meetings I walk out going that felt really good <laughs> the 99 meetings before that I never got a freaking call yeah. and that meeting the next day I get a call hey do you want to go photograph and meet Adina Menzel tomorrow wow. and, and you're like Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. And then it's in, internally, you're like, "Holy shit, it's happening!" It's ri- it's ri- <laughs> Wait, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> I, I know that feeling, man. Yeah, it's like yeah, cause you it's show like your, nothing else. You show your book a million times, and yeah, it's like the same thing. It's like I think that went good. I hope they hire me, but then you don't hear anything. So it's just yeah. like it's a numbers game, and it's just like I think you just have to be in it for the long haul. I think that's the thing. You got to be looking at this as a career. It's not just a quick. It's not a quick yeah. thing. And if you're passionate about what you're doing and, and you see the steps that you have to take in ahead of you in order to get there, then, then, you know, I like going on meetings. Oh, yeah. I find that going on meetings is really similar to taking portraits to someone. You know, I get to meet someone new. I get to ask them some questions. I get to tell about my life story. Uh, it's it's a fun time for me. I, I, try, I still could probably go on 50 or 100 meetings a year, wow. something like that. You know, like I'm constantly trying to go on meetings. Yeah, definitely. It's important. And I guess what were kind of some of your first assignments once you started, when you broke off and were shooting on your own? Like, who were you kind of working with initially? Uh, Client-wise? Yeah. Just yeah. Like- I mean, Washington Post gave me my break. And then right after that, I photographed um, I photographed Sharon Jones for the cover of The Village Voice, uh, which was just another huge break. Yeah. Uh, and then I photographed uh, Mike Myers for The New York Times, which was another big break. Damn. And, uh, and then it just started kind of snowballing from there. And uh, and. Like I said, I was all of a sudden just just doing it. Doing it, yeah. No, it's exciting. And, like, you know, one thing I always ask people is, like, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your, like, aesthetic or kind of your photographic style, the way you shoot? Um, did it kind of – because I'm looking at a lot of your work. Obviously, you shoot your Hasselblad, your black and white stuff, which you're really well known for. Um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your uh, voice? Yeah, luckily, I, I remember really specifically the exact shoot where I where I went, oh, this is it. Oh, yeah. And uh, and it was, you know, it was in that time when I was kind of almost thinking about stopping assisting. I was probably – uh, a year away from from breaking out and i was just trying to photograph anyone i knew artists friends uh, and i was photographing my friend who is a stylist and i was in her apartment and i i just i walked away from that shoot i did a one roll hasselblad and then i did like three setups digitally um and i remember i i broke out i tried using uh Ilford 3200 film and I think I forgot to rate it correctly and I rated it at 100 because I took a Polaroid and I just forgot to uh, switch my exposure and and I got the contacts back and they looked so cool and I went oh this is it this is the thing and and it just it just clicked that like 
this is what I can do. I can, someone can say, Hey, go to photograph this person. And then I can go to myself, Hey, I can bring two lights, two backdrops, my Hasselblad, my digital camera. And I know I can get boom, 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 boom. And I can give the client four different options. And I have this thing, this film thing that looks like me. Hmm. It looks like my thing. Yeah. And, and it feels like my thing and I love it. Yeah. And, so from literally that shoot on, I pretty much just took that equation and just uh, solved for X, you know, and and just and just inputted different humans instead of my instead of my friends, and and I still do the same thing today. Like you know, it's it's basically the same thing. Mm. Um, and and so when, by the time I got asked to photograph the demons, I was already I was already set. Yeah, you know, I got pictures from years before that um, that looked the same you got know your, got your to have my thing yeah, and uh and that's super important to me because i i hope that in 20 30 years that i'm that i'm still taking pictures that i'm gonna be able to pull my uma thurman portrait or my or my tom hanks portrait or yeah and, and it's gonna be able to stand up next to whoever i'm photographing at that time yeah i think it will because it's just it's like timeless there's it's it's like not to say it's simple it's not simple but it's like it's just it's like classic looking thanks man yeah um yeah because like with your shoots nowadays are you shooting uh, usually digital and film on each shoot or is it kind of sometimes will be all film or how do you kind of approach it's absolutely both um I, I, the film is, I pop off one roll still pretty much. I mean, you know, every shoot's different. I still shoot like 70, 70 times a year, or maybe mm. more, you know? Um, and so every, every shoot calls for something different, but the, the majority of them are, let me get a bunch of di- different setups digitally, uh, make sure I got it. Yeah. And then let me use this Hasselblad to make sure I got it from me. Yeah. And, and often the client looks at my pictures and guess what they're picking the picture that i think is the best which is the film you know because it is the best and it's the most authentic to me mm. and it's the reason why i'm getting hired um but the reality is i'm just shooting a role and um and just you know saying like i trust it i trust this role i trust i trust my process and uh and let me get variety besides that yeah do you if you're shooting a portrait do you normally break out the houseblad first or do you shoot digital first or it depends you know um often i'll i'll do it kind of in the middle mm-hmm. um i'll make sure i get it real quick digitally and then i'll break out the houseblad and i don't usually like to do it at the end um because it's a great talking point definitely it's his break it's like an icebreaker it's a little bit of an icebreaker for sure yeah uh and and you know like listen it's a lot of the people i photograph get photographed a lot and and they don't know the difference between me and person X that's photographing them. Uh, they also know that these cameras are things that they know how to use. And so we're, we're fighting an uphill battle to get people to be ser- to take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, and so I break out my Hasselblad from the 1960s. Uh, and I have to focus on focusing because it's completely manual. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, often whether people mention it or not I, I see the difference and you see the difference in the pictures too you know you can take two exact 
two frames taken seconds apart, one with the digital and one with the blood, and they have a totally different feel to it. Yeah. Um, because not only because of the difference in in the ergonomics of the camera, but also in the difference in just the mood. You know, it's a, it's like it's like we're it's like the magic. You know, it's the magic of the dark room. It's the it's the magic of what we were talking about seeing that print come out. Yeah. You, know, you break out the Hasselblad. It's a different thing, man. Yeah. It's a it's a totally different thing. It changes everything around you. Yeah, it definitely. Like piques our interest, and they kind of made this piques my interest. Yeah, you're you're too, but you're somebody too. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, it is it is interesting, and you know, one thing I kind of always ask people is like. Have you ever felt like a need, like you need to create work that's going to attract clients? Or do you kind of this, when you're first starting out, are you the shooting work that you enjoy and you want to be shooting and just kind of put it out there and hope it's like well received? Or are you sometimes trying to create work that's going to help you get business? Or what's your kind of thought on that? I mean, I started just trying to make the best pictures I can make. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that you can't go wrong with trying to just make the best picture. Um, you know, that being said, I absolutely think about my clients' needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want my clients to be happy. I think one of the reasons why I get hired is because uh, people ask me to go photograph someone, and that's all they need to do. And and then I can I'm going to come back with stuff that's great for them. That's whether that's going to fit their layouts, that's going to fit their aesthetic. Um, I'm going to give them options for them to play. You know photo editors and and advertisers want options oh yeah you know they don't know where these pictures are going sometimes we got we got different outputs of uh social media we got different print outputs we got you know who knows where this thing's going so uh i'm a i'm a client pleaser 100 percent. i also want to take the best picture possible so regardless of where it's going Mm -hmm. uh so it's really a combination of both um and and I think if you follow those two mentalities, you're gonna you're gonna do a good job and be successful. Yeah, it makes sense. And you know, another thing, looking at a lot of your work, you obviously shoot a lot of celebrities and like different musicians and all types of actors and whatnot. Um, was like celebrity photography was that kind of always like a goal of yours, or did they, this kind of happen organically, being that you're like a portrait guy? Or Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm interested in people who are. You know, who are changing, who are affecting other people's lives, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, like I don't know, does anyone affect everyone's lives more than Tom Hanks? You know, like he's America's. Like you see Tom Hanks, and you Gump, all <laughs> all of these memories come back to you from your own childhood, or you know, or you know, shaping the way you think about uh, history based on the movies that he makes. You know, like you know, is is he the president of the United States? Absolutely not, but he's someone who's really significant to everyone in America in one way or another. And, and that was always my goal was to get in front of people like that who are making differences and, and, you know, even regardless of whether it's in a positive or negative or any, any way, like people who have relevance, people who are affecting the culture are people that I want to meet and I want to photograph because I'm going to get the opportunity to put my spin on their image and make an image that, uh, is my own of someone who's important. And that's really why I do it. You know, it's, it's, so so yeah actors and musicians fall into that i mean like musicians are some of the most important people in the world to some people Mm. including myself you know like they i mean my whole child is shaped by the the beatles and the police you know like uh, and and these are things that matter uh and and i'm interested in photographing people that matter yeah definitely no that makes sense and you know 
being that you're photographing all these celebrities and things, and a lot, all these people, a lot of them have like PR people. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because I've had experience with that, and it's like a lot of times those PR people they they don't give a shit what your vision is or yeah. anything. They're like they, they. I've had times where they basically like you should like do this. Yeah. Like how do you deal? Totally. With, how do you deal with that? Because you're you're an artist and you're trying to convey your message and get walk away with a photo that you're proud of. Sure, sure. But at the same time, it's like these bounds because they're can, working with their client or whatever. They're a bit of a gatekeep gatekeeper. Yeah. In a sense, uh, you know it's. It's one of the biggest challenges uh, dealing with PR people. Um, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of honey, a little bit of uh, spice, depending on uh, on on the situation. Um, it's all about leverage, man. It's all it's all about um, being smart, uh, being professional. Uh, you know, I, I find that uh, most and, and trying and just making sure everyone knows that we're on the same team. Yeah. You know, like I'm, when I go photograph, uh, the star Wars cast, like my, my goal is to make a great picture. Yeah. And their goal should be for me to make a great picture. Yeah, and, yeah. and if they look at my other work, they know that I'm not a guy who's pulling tricks, you yeah. know, like I'm looking for people to look like people and to feel like themselves. And mm-hmm. so I'm not out there pulling anything, wild so you know i bring my work and i show them my previous work and i show them examples of what i've done in the past and i have them buy in i show them examples of what i want to do that day uh and i fight for what i need and you know i i have a backup plan if i don't get that yeah you gotta yeah you gotta push sometimes i kind of ran went out early on i was like sometimes you gotta push for what you want uh obviously there's a limit to that but yeah, it's like communicating to what you want. And I found in my experience, a lot of times the PR people, they're way tougher on email. And then yeah. you meet them in person and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. Do this. There, there's a reason that they're, <laughs> they are their job. What is their job is their job. You know, they're very personable in, in person usually. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they, they're, they're in a client service business too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I will say it's gotten easier. Okay. You know, it hasn't, it's still, it still is hard. It still sucks um, for some reason, but it's gotten easier. It's extremely uh, anxiety ridden and, and feels like this hurdle that you can't surmount when you're, when you're first starting out. I mean, my first ever shoot was with Adina Menzel and her publicist is, no, is notoriously difficult. Oh. And I was just freaking out because you know i just i thought it was going to ruin my picture you know but in the end life goes by you realize that some things are more important than others and you realize that when you're lucky enough to be like me where it's happened like i'm not not going to be a photographer anymore yeah yeah that you know what like my shoot of person x is not going to make or break my career at this point so let me go make the best picture i can let me deal with this publicist as a person Mm -hmm. um and use all the tricks in the tool bag that i've learned from people like a chris buck or an andrew hetherington or martin schoeller and annie Leibovitz, and pull out all of those uh, um all of those past experiences to to end up getting to where i want to go mm. now that makes sense and uh you know another uh, i kind of talked to chris buck about this a little bit have you ever had like shout a, out to chris yeah shout out chris <laughs> you crazy motherfucker uh have you ever had uh like a shoot where you've had to think twice about accepting the assignment like i had this situation like a month and a half ago i got hired to shoot sean spicer and i kind of oh, felt yeah how's that 
it was fine. Like, I didn't get a ton of time or whatever. But I, I felt weird because, obviously, I don't agree with, like, what he's about and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like you're a photographer. Like, have you ever run into that? Because I know you've photographed, like, some different, like, political people and things sure. like that. Have you ever had to, like, think twice about it or no? Or it's, how do you kind Not of... Not for a split second. Okay. You, if, someone, if someone called me right now to go to the White House, I'd be... I'd say, thanks, man. I got to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... it's my, my job is to photograph people mm-hmm. and and i would photograph you know anybody um i think there's a big difference between photographing someone and photographing for someone you know if the nra hi- uh, calls me tomorrow and asks me to shoot an ad campaign for them you can guarantee i'm saying no okay but if time magazine calls and asks me to go photograph wayne lapierre absolutely i'm going yep. because i get to go there and take the portrait that i want to take and I'm only accountable to Time Magazine and myself. Mm-hmm. And and the point of publication like Time or like the New York Times is that they don't want they want to be neutral. They want to walk away with a portrait that is the kind of portrait I take, which is a portrait of this person who is this human, regardless of whether or not they do things that you agree with or disagree with. I photograph people I vehemently disagree with, but you know what? It's not my job to go there and disagree with them. It's my job to go there and walk away with a portrait that I think represents who they are and my spin on them. So um, I'm interested in photographing, like I said, anyone who is making and changing the way that our society is operating. And right now, that means a lot of people that I don't agree with. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of feel the same way because I I thought about it and then I was like, you know what? I was like, there's no point of like, I could disagree with the guy, but I think it's better like instead of shutting people out is like, Go photograph them. Maybe you'll learn something. And it's like absolutely. That's that's how I kind of walked away from it. And yeah, it wasn't that. Bad. Yeah, I mean, I photographed Kellyanne Conway twice. Yeah, and I walked away with a a much more well rounded perspective of who she is as a person. Yeah, now, I didn't. I didn't walk away like. Listen, you see Kellyanne Conway on TV for five minutes, and I like everyone else want her to be off tv (laughs) and uh and and that's not uh allowing someone to get the full picture of who that person is i go there and i i i I meet this person i photograph her i get the opportunity to spend a significant period of time with her i still don't want her on tv (laughs) but i now know a lot more about her and and I've gotten the opportunity to take a picture that is going out there into the world. That's my take on her. And that's what's most important yeah. to me. Because, like, being that you're photographing all these celebrities and, like, well-known people and you kind of walk you, – you already have your preconceived notions about what you know about them because you might have seen them in a movie or seen some interviews. Like, do you do a lot of research on them or do you try Absolutely. to go in with, like, an open mind? Because – I could see, like, being you're shooting these celebrities, like, you could easily walk in and be like, this is what this person's going to be. Totally. Like. Uh, I, I do, the answer is I do a lot of research. Um, anyone who's a smart portrait photographer does uh, a lot of research, but I do a lot of research about things we can talk about, not about not about the movie they were in, not about an interview they've done previously, but I want to know where you grew up, where you went to school, what's your family situation like, you know what? What are your what are your sincere interests? I want to find any snippets of information that I can connect with you on, and and be able to have a human conversation with you. You know, um, so I so I do a little bit of both. You know, like I don't go and download someone's complete movie library and watch all their movies because guess what? Their movies aren't them. Yeah. Um, 
I, I do try to find obscure things that they're interested in. And like, can I, am I going to talk to you about art? Am I going to talk to you about culture? Am I going to talk to you about music? Am I going to talk to you about sports? Like these are all things I'm really, am I going to talk about politics? These are all things that I'm really interested in and I can speak, you know, uh, in an educated and passionate way about. And if you meet someone across the table from you, that you're photographing that also is interested in something or you know the same person or you've had a common experience, guess what? That starts the connection and the connection's all that I'm looking for to help get the picture that I need. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Just be a real person. Just be totally, a- totally. You know, when you talk to someone about something that everyone else talks to them about, yeah. you're going to get the same thing that everyone else gets. Yeah. And and they're going to go get into the script. They're going to go into their, this is the script that I get into when I'm talking about this thing. Mm. But if you go in there and you're like oh where'd you grow up and they say oh, i grew up in fairfield county you go i grew up in fairfield county yeah, yeah. and and all of a sudden now you're talking about your childhood in a way that's very uh familiar and all of a sudden you walk you're 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 getting into a zone where it's like oh it feels like we've known each other for a while mm. and and that's what my my pictures to feel like i want my pictures to feel like we've known each other for a while yeah no that's a smart man and, you know, looking at your website, um, you're really good at, like, group photos. <laughs> what do you think the key is to that? Because, like, photographing one person is hard enough, but, like, photographing a group of, like, 10 or 12 people, it's a real skill. Like, what do you think, what makes a good group photo, and how do you kind of approach those shoots? It's a total different skill set, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. Group photos are really challenging. Um you know what what do i think makes a good group photo you know i think i think it's a a lot about form uh it's a lot about the visuals Uh, i mean obviously any photo is about the visuals but um it's it's about again uh, a connection and a a a presence like making sure everyone feels like they're present Mm -hmm. uh is is a real challenge in group photo uh and and it's you know getting to that point successfully is all about using the, the tricks that I've learned from other photographers who are better than me. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, that, that includes Annie and Martin and, and Ben. And, uh, and it's like, you know, what do you do? You make sure you've memorized everyone's name in that photo. Um, because there's no, there's no pointing at person on the left and saying, Hey, you, the guy move your, you move your arm in oh, the place, man. you know, like then it's out, you're done. Morale's you've, you've, gonna go lost. Down. <laughs> you've lost at that point. Um, so even if you're photographing 30 people in a group, guess what? Memorize every single person's name. I'm really good at that. And then, uh, then planning, 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 you know, just like have their, have your stand-ins, have people's names written on gaff tape, putting those people in the places you're expecting them to be knowing what people's heights are knowing doing research on does someone look good when they're sitting does someone look good when they're standing does someone look good when they're laying does someone look good you know with their legs crossed like doing your research on how people already look because guess what when i photograph star wars when i photograph the downton abbey cast when i photograph the oj simpson uh cast i got i still have five minutes yeah with star wars i had two minutes you know and and so there's like you have to be ready because if you're not it's over um and so the planning is just so essential uh for the group stuff um it's a different kind of planning like there's no point in doing research on everybody's hometown in a group photo you know it's more about uh being super solid in what you want to accomplish being really confident walking into the room with a really strong vision and being able to um, express that vision 
uh, succinctly and clearly to the 10, 15 people you're working with and then just zoning out the 40 freaking people that are standing behind you that are all there. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. You, you, you forget the people in front of the camera. The people in the back of the camera, you almost, have, more. you almost got to like direct them more than the people in front of camera. Like cause they, always they can just, yeah, it's tough, man. So. Yeah, it's performative. You know, like I, I mean, I, I enjoy doing both. I mean, I really enjoy, I enjoy the opportunity to photograph big groups. I definitely prefer photographing individuals um, because, you know, when you're photographing an individual, you have to have a conversation yeah, and, and you have a connection. And when you're photographing a group, you have to be performative. You have to, you raise your voice, you, you sharpen your tone, yeah. you try to cut through the noise because there will be noise and you have to have everyone again knowing that you're the person that they need to be paying attention to um and that is hard to do in a room of a lot of people and and they've never met you before and uh and you 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 got to get there and it's a little bit more like a performance than it is like a conversation yeah respect anybody can do that well man so that's good stuff uh, thanks buddy and you know couple more questions um one thing i want to talk to you about is uh you published a book i believe in 2016 called two yeah um how did that kind of come about and how was the process of like putting the photos together and was that like an enjoyable experience for you or how so it- hard yeah. <laughs> so hard i mean kudos to anyone who's made a book out there uh it's it's way more difficult than you could ever imagine um but again you know coming from my assisting background uh and seeing Nigel and Martin make their books, you know, from how I got into photography, I got into photography looking at books. And um, and I learned after assisting for five years, there's two types of photographers, uh, ones that make books and ones that don't make books. Mm-hmm. And I had just about wrapped up my second year of shooting. I had done 150 photo shoots in two years. I had a really pretty solid body of work that I was really proud of. And I just one day remember opening up my portfolio and going, why can't this be a book? You know, this, this feels like a book right now. It feels like there's people in here that other people would want to have on their bookshelf and on their coffee table. Mm -hmm. And so I called up my friend, Bonnie, who I went to NYU with, who, um, you know, that's a great thing about going to school too, is all the, all the other people that end up doing other photo things that aren't photography, uh, aren't necessarily shooting yeah. um, that are in your sphere. I mean, like I have friends who are agents and bookmakers and editors and retouchers and all the things. Important people to know. Important people to know. And uh, I called up Bonnie. I brought her my portfolio uh, that I bring around, and I said, "How do I turn this into Martin Schuller's close-up <laughs> book?" Uh, and uh, you get a hundred grand, and you <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a lot less than that actually. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, she, I was like, "Is this possible? How much is it going to cost me?" And uh, and she said, "It's absolutely possible." And then we went on this, uh, we went on basically this nine-month journey from that point until when I had eight hundred books in my hands. Wow. And uh, and it just was a really proud moment for me to have uh, a really palpable um, example of everything that had gone on in two years. Um, It was, you know, you're in this business, you talk to anyone who does what I do, and there's not a lot of time for reflection. You know, I just finished up 
great shoots, but I'm, I'm already on to the next uh, yeah. because you have to be. And so there's not a lot of time to sit down and reflect on what you've done and, and be able to look at your work objectively in a more detached way. Uh, and making a book really allows you to do that. Um, and, and it was just great. And I can't wait to make my next one. All right. Looking, looking forward to it. <laughs> Definitely anybody uh, listening, go check it out. It's called Two. You, we can get on like Amazon everywhere. Uh, yeah, com. Okay. Well, T-W-O, thebook.com. I think you got linked on your website. Yeah, it's on my website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, there's not many left. There's like 20 left. So if, <laughs> you, right, if right. you want one, you better come get, get it because uh, we're about to be out. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And, um, you know, a couple other questions. Like I noticed on your website, um, you do some like nonprofit stuff. Uh, is that something you've been doing for a while, like working with different nonprofits? Or yeah, for the last, you know, since I've basically been doing this professionally, um, I had a friend in a nonprofit uh, ask me to start shooting for them, and then they wanted me to go to Nepal uh, to photograph for them, and I went to Nepal for two weeks by myself with with this group of people for um, for this organization, and. And it was great and it was fulfilling and it was uh, just a, something different. And, you know, like when you have a skill set like like this that's really unique, um, it's, it's great to be able to give back to quality organizations in a way that's more than monetary, you know. Um, and smart nonprofits know they need great photography in order to raise money and in order to get their message out. And so... Uh, it's a win-win for me. I get an amazing experience out of it um, to go and get to photograph people. I would, again, never have the opportunity to photograph if I wasn't a photographer, if I wasn't doing the kind of thing I'm doing. Um, and I get to go see more of the world. I mean, just all, it just checks off all the boxes. Yeah, and how about, how about a good cause? Cause yeah, that, and, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's smart. Any way you can kind of utilize your photography just to help other people, you know, rather than always just like obviously you gotta make money but i think that's uh it comes back around too you know and and especially you you there's just nothing like going on a trip with there's nothing like going on a trip and learning about people that you would never get the opportunity to learn about and 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 coming away with um just a more empathetic worldview uh that's hard to get when you photograph famous people all the time you know it's just a really great uh opposite end of the spectrum for me that kind of helps me keep keep it all balanced um and and honestly gives me i'm always looking for anything that allows me to widen my breadth of knowledge because that helps when i talk to people you know like it like we said before it's all about connecting with people and so anything i can get that's like outside my normal experience so that when I photograph someone that's not in my normal experience, I want that stuff like a sponge because I'm going to use it. Like I'm going to use the fact that I went to Cuba or the fact that I went to Nepal or Afghanistan or Vietnam. I'm going to use that stuff at some point in the future. Uh, I don't know when yet, but I'll I'll use it and it'll help me take my next great portrait. That's on the cover of the New York times. Yeah, it's smart, man. And uh, I guess this is my last question, you know, you've been doing this for a while now and like what kind of keeps you inspired and um what are you hoping to work for work on in the future like any goals for your photography moving forward always man always goals you know you're never satisfied um and never satisfied so yeah it's there's always stuff to be done there's always people to be photographed um i'm always interested 
I mean, I just I couldn't photograph everyone I've ever I would ever want to photograph if I took a picture of an important person every single day. Yeah. It would just there's not enough time. time. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's absolutely goals. You know, it's it's a unique situation to be in. You know, because I worked my whole entire life to get here, mm-hmm. and and you work your entire life to get to a point. You never thought about what happens when you get to the point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and now I'm here. You know, and and that's so exciting and i'm and i'm so lucky uh also i worked really hard yeah. i think i deserve it yeah. but but uh, but i'm also really lucky yeah um and and now you go okay well what's what's next and and part of it is is there is no next in the sense that i'm doing what i want to do like i'm out i'm getting constantly asked every day to go do stuff that i really want to do and and i couldn't ask as long as that continues uh that's I'm set, you know. But at the same time, yeah, there's clients I want to photograph that I've never photographed before. Uh, there's people I want to meet and photograph that I've never met and photographed before. Um, it's all on the table, man. So you know, I'm 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 interested in photographing people I don't even know exist. You know, <laughs> I like it, man. It's, uh, keep the, keep the train train rolling and keep shooting. And uh, yeah, Jesse, uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I guess for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? Yeah, just uh, my Instagram is a great place. I tell stories of, of the shoots on my Instagram. Uh, I get, give a lot of behind the scenes and a, and a lot of uh, a lot of the ins and outs of uh, what happened behind a shoot and, and the intricacies and difficulties that go into being a portrait photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my name, uh, Jesse Dittmar. Um, that's my handle. Yep. And my website's got all my other work. My book website that's got all my other work and. Uh, you know, you can find me. You can find. I'm go- very Googleable. <laughs> very <right>. Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. I'll link it, and everyone can go check it out. And uh, thanks so much, Jesse. Hey, thanks, man. So there you have it. That was the Jesse Dittmar interview. I want to thank Jesse so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about all his work and experience within photography and definitely all the cool stuff he's doing with the Hasselblad. Uh, so definitely go check out Jesse's website at jessedittmar.com as well as his Instagram at jessedittmar. Um, he has lots of cool photos he's always posting up there, uh, kind of some behind the scenes from different shoots he's working on. So definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.